You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, folks. We uh, break up our college football previews to bring you NBA draft coverage on the podcast. Basketball is back once more. Believe Bas- it or not. Basketball's hanging around for a while. MWR.com, yeah. Jeremy Moss, Yali Betker. We're talking the draft, which is just days away. Maybe the day of if you're listening to this on Thursday. But our website, as I mentioned, MWR.com. We'll have draft previews, Facebook, Twitter, MWC Wire or Mountain West Wire. Just search the Mountain West Wire and you'll find us because, yeah, we, we do that. We're the only ones talking basketball, NBA draft, I believe, under this conference for the most part. So, you ready to go? How, um, Eli, before I um, we get into the important stuff, well, no, we will get into the important stuff because you, like, you're, as we know, more of a basketball guy than myself because you are our main basketball writer. How excited do you get for the, for the NBA draft? Last year there wasn't really that much excitement because the only guy that had much of a chance to get drafted out of the Mountain West was Cameron Oliver, and that didn't end up happening. So when you have – players that are getting some hype like Chandler Hutchison has and Brandon McCoy to a certain extent that's pretty interesting but I don't I don't really carve out a whole night to watch the NBA draft like I used to <laughs> I never asked you this before do you have an NBA team you root for is it poor is it the uh, Trailblazers I used to root for the Chicago Bulls like right after the Sonics left of course Sorry. um yes yeah, so that was kind of an interesting time and then my interest in the NBA kind of waned after that. So now I really don't watch the NBA with much regularity at all. Because it's too many games. You can watch the last four minutes and be good, right? Yeah, and you can lose 12 playoff games and still win the championship. Oh, yeah, you could. That's fine. <laughs> that's how it works. So with the draft... That's my big knock. <laughs> no, that's perfectly fine. Let's get to the draft stuff. So here's what we have. The draft, if you're unaware, it's the, at the Barclays Center, Jay-Z's home court, as I said before the show. It is at uh, 7 Eastern, 5 Mountain, 4 Pacific. So it's a early work, get out of work early, 5 minutes if you want to catch your team out west. Uh, ESPN, obviously, the app, uh, watch ESPN, all that great stuff. So here's what we're going to do. we got two players who are going to be picked. Chandler Hutchison. You hear that right? Hutchison? <laughs> Louder for the people in the back. Hutchison. <laughs> <laughs> Not Hutchinson. No. You'll, we've already seen it. Let's see. Fox Sports. And the athletic have gotten incorrect. This will be the New Mexico New Mexico State fiasco that's happened the past year in any NCAA tournament where they get the Lobos and Aggies mixed up. <laughs> so first off, uh, over under, how many times will that be incorrectly said or spelled on TV or Twitter? Um, you c- I can bet on at least multiple times that it will be misspelled between now and the final mocks that come out on Thursday. Does uh, is TNT part of the draft coverage or is it just ESPN? I think it's just ESPN, but I know I know NBA TV is always doing their own thing. But I don't know about TNT. I don't think so. Because you know Charles would incorrectly say half these names. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's all I gotta get at. Uh, so we have Hutchison, Boise State, and then Brandon McCoy, one and done UNLV. Who I don't know. He's an interesting cat. He may be drafted. He may not be drafted. Second round seems to be his mix of uh, positioning when you look at all the mocks. 
So let's start with the guy who's going to get drafted first. It's going to be no. Let's start with Brandon McCoy. Let's let's change that up. Mm-hmm. We will have, or at this point, you may have already read, or we'll have read our kind of draft profile from our good buddy uh, oh geez, Andy Roberts. Sorry, I was reading one day. I was going to say Andrew. It's not Andrew. <laughs> he will have some on Brandon McCoy, who, if you recall, last year at this time he is the most efficient player at the FIBA Under 19 tournament for Team USA and for I believe the whole tournament for a point in time. He came to the Rebels and then. You remember us talking to Eli about how Rebels will be a great fifth place team in the conference mm, last year. Yeah. So watching him this year, like I watched a little Team USA stuff. I saw him throughout the year here and there, as most people have. But first off, why did he declare pro? Just because he's a big guy and people thought he could be a lottery pick back in last October? Yeah, I think so. Everyone thought that he was going to be a one and done to begin with. There really wasn't much doubt that uh, he was going to do anything besides stick around for just one year. So. I don't know how much his draft stock could be improved by another year, and scouts and front offices really like the 18, 19, 20-year-olds. Once you start to get up into 21, 22 like Chandler Hutchinson is, that's when your draft draft stock starts to dip a little bit, even if you're producing at a high level. So McCoy is, is a really interesting prospect because five years ago he probably could have been taken in the lottery, but just the way that the NBA has evolved, there just isn't a ton of space for seven-foot back-to-the-basket centers anymore. Everyone that is effective at the center position in 2018 NBA and beyond is able to shoot threes, dribble the basketball, and that's just not part of Brandon McCoy's repertoire. So that's why you have a very efficient back-to-the-basket strong center like McCoy, who's a consensus five-star and might not even be selected one year after uh, he went to Las Vegas. So... Like he was in, like what did he do good? Like I, we watched him all. He is pretty dominant. He's pretty good rebounding. He gets a point, especially non-conference play at a few big games. But he kind of disappeared. Was do you think like kind of a freshman thing? He played so many games from high school to summer to Mountain West play or and college basketball play because people thought he'd come in. He freshman of the year, rookie of the year, newcomer of the year, whatever award you want to give him. He played well, but why do you think that is just too much basketball? He was he was really good last season. I don't know. I know that a lot of people probably set the bar maybe just a little too high for a UNLV team that was in a significant rebuild. But I think prior to the the Team USA competition and, and coming into college, I think McCoy probably just bullied his way around the the weaker and less talented because he was able to. And he's standing at seven one two fifty. There's no one that can really size up. With, with those numbers as a late teenager. Yeah, no so peer. Do, yeah, yeah, exactly. So we we saw a number of times throughout the season in which he was able to just bully his way inside and get easy baskets, and that's fine, but the NBA has far more size and is just filled with these versatile seven-foot-plus guys. And so a lot of the baskets that McCoy scored or shots that he defended – he won't be able to do that nearly as often in the NBA if, unless he's able to develop some some better mechanics down low or, like I said, increase his versatility. Yeah, just a real quick for his numbers, for those who are unaware how well how good he was last year. He led the UNLV Rebels in scoring 16.9, double-double, which is pretty amazing for a true freshman to come in and average that right away. He Look at his block average. He's pretty good in the, like, the light, late in the year. I had it up here. He he could block shot. It's funny. I'm looking at ESPN stats. You would think. Tell me if this is accurate. You put points, obviously, right? Rebounds, 
Why not blocks? Why is not blocks not his third stat when it's 1.8 per game? Instead, <laughs> it's half, half an assist. It's a good number. <laughs> it is. One, I'm like, wait, was he? Because I thought, I thought, honestly thought he'd go like the three most points rebounds in your next best category. But almost two blocks a game, which he had gained rate four blocks, five blocks. Like, he's a defensive presence down low. But when you look at when he played certain teams, like when he played Boise State the first time, that overtime loss, I believe that was the first time. Or no, second. Yeah, second time. 24 points. He put up 20 points versus, like, San Diego State. So he showed up in big games like Utah State, okay, 18 points. Nevada, 19 points. 17 rebounds versus Nevada. So he showed up when he played good opponents. But then you see games like Northern Iowa, 9 points, or New Mexico, CSU, Air Force, 8 points, and it's a 5-point game, that Air Force game in the first week of January. He only takes 4 shots. And so, and he played about almost 30 minutes. So, not that he's inconsistent, but I think you're right. Like, when he played really players of his size, like, Game 2 for San Diego State, that dreaded 94-56 to 56 loss, had 9 points. And I'm wondering, in the NBA, it's going to take him time because... He's going to be a kind of a project guy a little bit, but in the NBA too, like we watch enough, even though we joke around, we don't watch too much, but yes, it's up and down league. It's going to be a lot of points like warriors, rockets, uh, teams like that, like even Cleveland a bit with LeBron, they'll just go up and shoot and get points. Portland does that a little bit. Dallas. And you know, I mean, just, we know the teams that do that. If you watch the NBA, even casually, where does he fit in? Because those teams don't want this type of guy who has to only play inside the, inside the post. Yeah, it's a tough question to to answer because you have to find the right team that is willing to spend a draft pick or or even just a G League contract on someone who doesn't have that that added versatility. Like a guy like Joel Embiid is a perfect example, who's a bit more versatile. Or Ben Simmons. I know the Sixers have a ton of guys like that. Um, it, it's it's tough to gauge McCoy, and like you said, going through his games this past season. I think the two games that stand out the most was the the road loss to Northern Iowa, in which he scored only nine points against an undersized front court. A lot of people were selecting this game as maybe Brandon McCoy's breakout game or something that he would do um, wonders in that game, but he was pretty ineffective, and that's because the Northern Iowa front court fronted him and was really creative with their defensive play. And then he followed that no show up with maybe his best game all season against DeAndre Ayton, who's expected to go first overall in this year's draft with a 33 and 10. So it it is a bit of an inconsistency with Brandon McCoy, but there are certainly a ton of aspects to his game that entices front offices beyond just his height and weight and other measurables. I think one thing as well, he's 7'1", 250. He probably like for being 7'1", that's fairly skinny. So getting into some NBA team, like get at least get to what two seventy maybe. Just if yeah, if it's if it's muscle, that's your. That, that's, that's obviously not gonna be fat. Yeah. Yeah, you know, talking about that, <laughs> just adding mm-hmm. weight, but like two fifty, like he's not gonna be this bulking guy. Like when you look at, um, I don't know, I'm old name, but like this Carl Moore, he's not gonna be some guy who could play like a fullback or a tight end NFL that size. But he's gonna be closer to 260, 270, because you're gonna get beat up playing guys down low, like. Like in the NBA, you're playing against guys who are seven one two fifty who can dribble the ball and shoot three pointers. So, it's it, that's not his game though, which is fine. And there could be teams that could use him down low, but he's not going to come in year one and be a guy who will get a ton of points. Like maybe like you can, like I think I think about Philly maybe because you mentioned Joel Embiid, they're sort of similar a little bit. They could use him, but I I just not sure where. Like yeah, 
Maybe the Jazz because the Jazz they're picking at fifty two, looking at late second round picks. Jazz with the um, they don't they run up a little bit, but they might try to get like Paul George to come to town. They already have uh, oh crap, Donovan Mitchell. They have all these guys who could they won't they run a little bit, but not a ton. But they still do an offense where you want a big guy down low a little bit. So it's tough to spot for basically a center. There are no centers in the league essentially that are traditional. When you go back even five or so years ago, you know what I mean. There's nobody like that. Because that's not what the game is anymore. So he can't shoot very well from beyond the free throw line. You know, I mean, like those 15, 20 foot jumpers, he's not going to take too many of those. I think where he could be helpful is if he's on a team that shoots a lot of three pointers. It's like when you watch, like, years ago, you get to the post and those guys can pass very well and then also suck in players to get open guys for three pointers. So even if you play on a team that, like, Houston or Golden State, he's not going to fit there. But if you have a team, like, look what JJ Reddick has done for years. If you can get a guy down low, they suck a guy in, you can kick it out to the guys for, for the three-pointers because that's all they want three-pointers. So if he can be good enough to be some sort of threat, like they just have to score points. You know what I mean? Just be a threat to have somebody shadow you, and then there'll be somebody open. Be a good passer. That's one way he can be defender, rebounder, and passer. That's where I think he could be the most successful earlier on, then eventually he'll get to where he could score who knows what per game. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. I think that he will be able to thrive on a team that is a bit more half-court oriented because he, he's not going to run up and down the floor nearly as much as some other guys his size. And like you said, if if the defense doesn't pay attention to him, he's going to exploit that because he's very skilled inside. And like we've said, he has a ton of size. So if you surround McCoy with a bunch of shooters, maybe say Golden State, they, I mean, everyone's a three-point threat on that team. And then you have a big guy inside like Brandon McCoy. That's a perfect outlet because if he can get the ball out to the perimeter quickly, if that's something he can work on and develop, mm-hmm. then Quick that's pass. just yeah, it, it makes the offense just so much more fluid. And if the shooters from outside miss, he could be down there to grab offensive boards, which we've seen him do throughout the year as well. So, he, I mean, he does have a fit. It's just not what it would have been a half decade ago because of how the NBA has evolved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's one thing, too, people don't – when you watch the NBA a little bit, you want to have, like – Golden State has, like, defenders down. Like, they used to have Andrew Bogut a couple years ago, and that's one mm-hmm. of the comparisons people give to McCoy. But Bogut, yeah, he could sh- he could shoot from three a little bit when he's at Utah and bounce around the NBA whenever – whatever team – multiple teams he is on. But if you have a defender down low, like I said, if he could block a shot, get a rebound, those guys take off for a quick bucket. You just chuck it, throw it down, throw it down the court – just get the fast break going immediately, that's a big presence as well because you don't want to roll out five small forwards, five guys who are 6'6 six, six each. You know what I mean? 6'7", whatever it may be. If you have a defender down there, they can start the fast break right away. And that's like, you're right, that's what he will be able to do. And then for him to get points, easy buckets, put backs, that's like that type of stuff you want to be. Like even Andrew Boga, when he played, he would go down the post at times and could make those amazing passes to guys either driving to the hoop or guys who are other side of the court for a three-pointer. That's where that's, we already mentioned it, but that's kind of what he'll be, I believe, at least for the first couple of years. And then if he gets a blocker to a game, he could, teams need defenders. You can't just score outscore everybody every game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, And he is a good rim, rim protector. He does have that ability. And I'm just looking at the Golden State Warriors right now, and that's that is obviously a pipe dream sort of situation. But mm-hmm. their center's just don't really attempt that many threes. They're there as a as a potential decoy or as a rebounding outlet. You mentioned Andrew Bogut, who's not a three-point threat. 
We've also had Zaza Pachulia and David West and JaVale McGee, and none of those guys shoot threes or even run the floor all that well. So, I mean, maybe if McCoy goes undrafted, the Warriors give him a shot, but um, there there is a roster spot for McCoy somewhere out there. He just needs to find the right fit and the coaching staff that can um, produce the most out of his abilities. Here's a really good stat over at NBA.com. Not a stat, but kind of an analysis of breaking him down. Um, he created quite a bit of his own offense operating with his back to the basket, which you won't be able to get as a rookie or even first couple of years, which, like I said, unless he's like, somehow does something amazing and outplays whoever and the right fit. But what it does mention here, which is great, best work converting cuts, putbacks, the rim runs playing off the ball. So if he can be a guy where that's where the rebounding comes in, if he could, because we saw him multiple times, somebody missed a shot, he'd come out of nowhere and slam it, get a dunk, a putback. Those type of things get easy points. So he's knows where the ball is at, awareness of the of the hoop on the court, or you know, I mean, where, where he's at in the on the court, either if he has the ball or not. He has a good eye of where the ball is going to be if it's going to be missed. And that's takes it is a certain skill set to have because it's like how did Dennis Rodman get 20 rebounds a game when he wasn't this biggest guy on the court? Mm-hmm. It's stuff like that. If you could see what's going to happen before it's going to happen, it's that those little things where if you're going to be a fringe pick, you got to do those things to make up for it. And so I think it's a really good assessment of what he does. And I, I don't know. Do you think he'll be picked? I know there's trades and stuff, which, well, you know, can't be official until whatever, July 1, but do you think he'll get picked up late in the draft? I'm I'm leaning no, but I think it's probably about 50-50 right now. 50-50. I would, and, yeah. and probably, I bet the highest he'd be picked was 50 maybe, maybe the Pacers. Maybe, hey, honestly, maybe the Spurs and then lose Kawhi Leonard. That could be, not that he'll take the place of that, but, <laughs> I, but obviously, at finals MVP, mm-hmm. that stuff. But, you know what I mean, a power forward guy, a defender, that could be a need for them because they lose a guy of that caliber who plays defense and can score a bit. Just saying, that's a, not to say he's going to be Kawhi Leonard, but you know what I mean. They get the most out of their guys typically, and he's a big guy, and that's what they kind of need with Kawhi doing whatever he's doing at the moment. Yeah, for, for his sake, I would like to see him go to a team that is coached by someone who's been around for quite a while and knows the game of basketball really well because if he if he's tried to be inserted, inserted into a roster with the new head coach that's mixing and matching a bunch of different things. I just don't think that McCoy will be able to maximize his potential. So a fit like alongside Greg Popovich or Tom Thibodeau, I think those would be pretty solid options for him. Wait, where's Thibodeau at? He's not with the Bulls anymore, is he? No, he's with Minnesota. That's right, Minnesota. With all the former Bulls. (laughs) That's right. There you go. Pick him up. Minnesota, they pick where are they at? They, uh, who? That'd be 48 if they take him there, and I don't know if that's a possibility. And and the G League maybe is always always an option too. If he goes undrafted, he'll definitely get picked up by someone. Hold on, wait. We're mi- what about there's a league starting next week? I believe. Is it? Uh, hold on. What's it called? The JBA. Is he going to join the JBA and play in front of four or five people? <laughs> no, and not Lithuania either. Do you know what? G- oh, people, you know what the JBA is? I don't think everybody yes, knows. It, it, what's yes. it stand for? I just have it up here. Junior Basketball Association. I actually don't think McCoy would even be eligible to play in it. <laughs> I don't. I don't really know how that works. I try not to give those links too many clicks. <laughs> I don't know. I go to for the win to have some of those. I, I read random stuff because they're charging fifty dollar tickets and they're allegedly play, paying guys six figures. Ten mm-hmm. figures, five figures a month. So, and playing in huge NBA arenas. So, if you want to play in front of four or five people, you might as well play on your local pickup gym to get more people to watch you. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I don't know. I think maybe the Jazz can be a decent fit because they don't really have a center. But that's that's 52 is reasonable as well. So we'll see. I think he'll get picked just because I think with what people who saw him last year, Team USA, and it's a little bit of a potential factor, which NBA is all about. Uh, how many times upside is going to happen, Eli? 25, 30 times? What's that? What is Jay Billis? How many times is he going to say upside? Oh, yeah, every pick. 60. <laughs> Is it one per, 62 oh yeah 61 per pick <laughs> yeah tremendous upside yeah but seriously him people projecting lottery pick as of a few months ago or i guess maybe six months there's a team that's going to take him I, that's why i think he'll be picked because they saw what he could do during international basketball saw versus arizona saw versus good teams like san diego state that's where i think he will get picked up because they see something there that give me it's all the coach give me a year i can get this guy to be I'll get a lottery pick at 58 or something. They'll be one of those type of things. And and if he's surrounded by a lot of good offensive players, I think he would do just fine. And that's not to knock UNLV, but they certainly had their issues with jump shooting last year. And so many teams, knowing that UNLV's jump shooting wasn't very good, they could just clog the lane and make things more difficult for McCoy. And you just McCoy won't be as much of a... I highly sought after opposing player in, in the NBA. There's going to be so many shooters out there that they can't pay attention just to the seven foot one guy down low. So when he's one on one, he's usually scoring the basketball. So I think that's uh, another benefit for McCoy. All right, let's get to Chandler Hutchison. Right, hear that? Hutchison. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Hutch is on. You can think of that way, right? Hutch is I like on. That. I like that. There we go. So that we'll go to Boise State Blair. You have your profile up on him. You spoke to his high school coach. So let's start let's start with that. We reposted that the other day. So when we well, actually let me do two things here really quick. At Boise State, people are i I'll say dumb people are questioning him being picked as high as he could be a first rounder because he's a, I guess a four year senior, which I guess all you mentioned age, but also people are wary about how could he be this good after his first year or two of being basically a nobody. I say that you improve quite a bit in the offseason, right? I mean, definitely. You can just look at per-game stat scores and find out that this guy put in a ton of work during the summer. And working alongside Phil Beckner, who also helped out Damian Lillard become the player he is today back when they were together at Weber State, um, those two formed a great connection. That's the reason why Hutchison will be picked in the first round on Thursday night. So when you talk to his high school coach – what did he like? You talked to him back in what January or February, I believe. Yes. So what was his like? Because wasn't he kind of this? If I recall, the same type of player where his early high school career wasn't great, and he's kind of, I guess, blossomed a little bit to be a much better player later on. Is that sort of the same thing? Yes, definitely. His high school and college careers, at least from what I've heard and what I've seen, are almost mirrors of one another. Because Hutchison began not even making the varsity team. Uh, even though everyone knew that he had the the right body that was going to fill out eventually, and he had plenty of talent, but the the roster that he was going to be a part of was already pretty loaded in terms of depth. I think at least a handful of guys off those teams when Hutchison was a freshman and sophomore landed Division One scholarships. So Hutchison had to wait his turn, and so he didn't really blossom until his junior and senior year, and he actually didn't even lead his own high school team in scoring until his senior season. And that's very similar to what happened at Boise State because, as we remember, he averaged just 3.1 points per game when he was a freshman in Boise, doubled that as a sophomore to 6.8, doubled that again as a junior to 17.4, 
and then averaged 20 this past season. So the the progression that Hutchison has seen over the last eight years of competitive basketball is pretty remarkable. So what do you think changed? I know the high school thing more of a fit. So what changed to Boise State? Because his freshman year, he played he played in he played a hundred game over well over a hundred games in his career. Started eighteen as freshman, eight as a sophomore. Do you know what clicked? Was it him just working with the right people between that sophomore junior year where he went from five to thirteen points per game? Or no, sorry, that's field goals. Let me where's that here? Six sorry, six point eight to seventeen and a half. I'm looking at the wrong thing there. It's like basically triple his scoring in one off season. What do you think it was from that point? Do you know just improvement players graduating Leon Rice doing something different to get him involved even though he played a ton years before playing time is all it take give him 10 more minutes a game and he his per 40 improve that much or per 100 whatever you want to call it I think it has to do with just about all of those things uh, Hutchison's game individually obviously improved a ton he developed a jump shot um, that summer of his sophomore year going into his junior year going from 23.1% from beyond the arc to 37.7, which is a, a massive leap. He turned his his jump-shooting ineffectiveness into one of his better skill sets. So once he was able to do that, then he was really able to blossom. But beyond that, I would say that Boise State's 2016 team was so senior-led. They had Anthony Drimmick and Lonnie Jackson and Mikey Thompson, all these guys in the backcourt and they all graduated after that 2016 season. So Hutchison had no other choice but to be that guy in that scoring option as a junior, and that's exactly what happened. So what make like what makes it we – see, we see the play. We see him score. We see what he can do. He has game-winner shots. He can go up and down the court. He shoots a lot of three-pointers. He makes a decent amount of three-pointers, I'll say, <laughs> at, sitting at 36%. So what – why is he shoot? Because he's shooting up the draft boards. Like going into the season, I remember one early piece over at SI, I think around Christmas time. Like, hey, watch out for this guy, Boise State. Then you see like Sam Bazzini over at the Athletic, other guys saying he could be a first round pick. Now, Fox Sports has him as maybe even a lottery pick. Why do you think he shot up so high just without playing basketball? Was it because we know he pulled out of the combine, so he got some assurances from the, we believe it's the Bulls that he won't go past them, but. What's the deal with him going up to maybe like a top 20 pick now? I think he's done a great job filling out his game and improving on his weaknesses. Like I mentioned, his jump shooting, but another thing that was mentioned by his high school coach was just how good he is as a passer, and I think that definitely came to light as a senior. He had a number of instances where he was guarded closely, and because he's such a, a good basket attacker, he's able to drive to the basket and then dish off to his teammates. So I think a lot of scouts and front office people were aware of that. And even though he plays on a defense that was almost strictly 2-3 zone or a zone man mix, he was still very active playing passing lanes, defending the opposing team's best shooter. So he has really rounded out his game because he entered Boise as a 3-4 star prospect who, who definitely has some upside for a mid-major. But once he started to fill out his game and develop his abilities, that's I don't think anyone doubted that he had the potential to be a first-round pick. It was just a matter of whether or not it could happen, and that's where he stands right now. So we're looking at teams that could want him. There seems to be a lot of teams, right, and not just uh, a couple because he's – like the Bulls has been the most common team because that's who said, well, that's why I pulled out of the combine. Well, I'm going to be picked by the Bulls, so what's the point? And they're picking at 20 – assuming no trades, which there will be trades – 
22. Do they pick and seven? They pick seven and 22. So you're, I guess, for a former Bulls fan at some point. What would, what would he make it, or why would he be good for the Bulls? Or why would the Bulls want him? Either way. So, uh, I mean, the Bulls need some options offensively. I know they're a team that definitely struggled on the offensive end. Um, and, and adding a guy like Chandler Hutchison would be great for the Bulls because they're one of the younger teams and are in need of a go-to type player. And after losing Jimmy Butler to Minnesota this past offseason, if they can pick up a solid wing that they can rely on for scoring and also defense, I think that would make a lot of sense for, for Chicago. Okay. I think also, like, looking through what he can do, like, you have Chicago, you have Phoenix, because they're going number one. They're probably taking uh, the Arizona product. Talking about the, who's the guy overseas in Europe everybody's chatting about? Um, Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic. Yeah, they're thinking about him being number one. But I think of the Bulls, if they're going to go, or that's Phoenix, sorry, if they're going to go a big guy, like, they need a lot of work. They need all the talent they can get. So <laughs> <laughs> when you're 21 wins, they get whoever they pick, one of those big guys. And if they could go, if they do pick him at, uh, oh, 16, sorry, not 14. It's a decent combination for two young guys who probably see a lot of playing time. But when you look at if you can score, it, it could be on any team. That's why I've seen the Pacers. I've seen him going to the Jazz. I've seen him going to the Bulls. I've seen him maybe even the Sixers, I want to say, at least one point. But if you can score in the NBA, they're going to find a place for it because you see the scores, right? 120, 115, 100 plus points. on, on a, You can score 100, 120 points to lose in the NBA. So... <laughs> While we mentioned with McCoy, defense will be helpful. You want scores. That's what you want. Scores and passers. If Hutchinson can go like uh, 15 points, five, six assists, five or six assists a game, which is much better than he did at Boise State at three and a half, that's where it's it's just a score. It comes down to scoring. Is that all it is to him? His size is there. He'll be what? Do you think he'll tra- transition to maybe a small forward NBA? Oh, he'll probably play split time between the two and the three, I would think. Okay, so if he can play, that's another thing too. If he can play two positions, and I guess there's also the theory—not theory, but positionless basketball. Essentially, if you can play and you're athletic enough, you can play wherever. And so there's always that, like, kind of with LeBron, he could technically play center to guard because how was out six ten to ninety five thousand pounds, whatever he is, <laughs> something huge. But it's like it's anything we say, like even in football, like if you can play two positions or take up two spots, you're more valuable. He'll be a first round pick. I don't know. Like the Bulls will be good. I, I just don't know where he'll end up going because he's all over the place the past three or four days. I just want to see him go to a place where he'll do well. And because we had um, who was it? Jo- Josh Webb the third was that the guy last year from Boise? Jay, yeah, James Webb the third a couple years sorry. ago. James mm-hmm. Webb and he kind of stuck with the Sixers. He's bounced around, but he was never picked up. And so Boise, one thing this will be great as well if he gets drafted, like Leon Rice. And Boise State's never been known to be a great basketball program outside the past few years where they've been going to tournaments here and there. If they get a guy drafted in the top 20, it's going to be a pretty big deal. Like, hey, I'll I'll go there. Yeah, I know they play football, the wacky blue field, but if they can get a guy drafted, it's going to be huge for them to get other players to come to a school that may be considering, say, mid-level Pac-12 schools to go to Boise State instead. This is a tremendous look for Boise State because, as as you mentioned, the notoriety that Boise State gets from having a top 20 NBA prospect is huge. And earlier this week, or I guess it was late last week, it was, the reports came out that Chandler Hutchison would be in the green room That's right. in the NBA draft. So he'll actually be on the stage on Thursday night when he gets selected. And he's also joined by Leon Rice and his family members too. So 
it's a really cool moment for Hutchison individually, but it also will rub off in a good way for Boise State. And I would assume it just a little little bit of help in recruiting never hurts. So uh, getting a top 20 prospect in the NBA draft every once in a while um, should be able to boost up Boise State. Here's a question. What type of suit will he be wearing? You know what? It would be really, <laughs> really cool if he brought out the, the BSU orange. If he just went all out on the suits and, and brought that bright orange that Boise State dons, that would be pretty awesome. You think he will? I would think he probably goes a little bit more conservative, but if if he went maybe the dark navy blue with like an orange tie or a orange polka dotted tie or something like that, I think that would look pretty pretty nice. Also be nice. You know how um, – who was it? Uh, oh, University of Utah. Sorry. They had their red – I think it was Ray Jacoletti wore it. Oh, sorry. Crappy Jacoletti. But he had it, the inside with the U, Utah logo and printed on the suit. Mm. So why not go with the – not maybe not because NBA players are they're pretty outrageous for some of the clothes they wear. <laughs> We've yeah. seen the uh, sh- the uh, short suit, whatever the pantless suit, whatever you want to call it, or whatever Russell Westbrook yeah. wears. Whatever it was, you wanted a jumper, a romper, or something. But <laughs> or you got. Uh, oh, I guess it was football. Zeke Elliott had the uh, midriff shirt and jacket <laughs> two years ago. But why not go? This wouldn't be too outrageous. Here's what he should wear, Chandler. If you're listening, this is what you got to wear for Thursday. I know he's listening, right? So what you wear, not the I like your navy blue idea, but more of the Boise blue. So it's a little out there, but not too out there. You have the orange trim on the inside, or the orange, the um, underlining of your coat. Boise orange. And then you got to have Bronco socks, orange socks, right? And then mm. you can go with a tie where it's maybe... Because nobody's going to see the underside of your coat too much, just maybe a little bit, where they button it up. But I say go with like a blue and orange type striped tie a little bit. I like that. Yeah, I like that. So and how about like a Boise State logo for cufflinks? Yeah, there you go. Or does he wear earrings oh, at all? Does he? Uh, I don't think so. He might. Because you have the Bronco earrings too. Just that would nuts. be pretty cool. That that's our, yeah. our fashion voice here on the wire. That's what gets <laughs> yeah, you. that's that's cool. That would be a good look for sure. But I I sure hope he wears some Boise orange. That would be pretty neat. Yeah, at least yeah, because you see what people wear. It could be pretty outrageous and so going with Boise Blue is not the weirdest thing in the world I guarantee if he does that even if he wears the Bronco Orange as a suit that will not be the craziest thing you see wearing no no it might be number two but I don't think it'll be number one it's such a good color scheme I hope he goes for it (laughs) it can work well it can work well Mm so let's uh, let's go uh, one more little direction here because we want a little bit more time we're only gone half an hour we want to make this a little bit more fun so we mentioned Kawhi Leonard a couple times I'm not going to get into what the heck's going on with him, the former Aztec. But do you think he'll be traded on draft night? I I don't think so. And I I don't really recall that many major players being traded on draft night. I know it's happened a number of times, but I I don't know if it happens. Do do you? No, I I don't because he has one year left on his contract. Oh, you don't think he gets traded at all? No, no. Well, not on draft night. I'll go there. Because unless – is it – can you do extensions and trades? I think you do sign in trades, but isn't that usually free agent sign and trade? Yes, it's. I think it's usually almost I believe, entirely. I, I should have looked this up before I start spouting my mouth off. But I'm, I don't think you can sign an extension and then get traded. I don't. I don't know how that works. So, I know the sign and trade is almost always free agent yeah, deals because you get more money when you sign with your same team. That's why they want how they mm-hmm. try to work it to keep your players from bouncing around. Which 
works a little bit, but not all the time. Mm-hmm. So here's a CBS. Oh, before I get to my other thing, CBS has four, five trades, potential draft night trades. Uh, Kawhi Delphia. <laughs> Kawhi Delphia. Oh my God. Trading Kawhi to 76ers, Spurs get that would be neat. Covington, Dario Sarkic, Sarkic, and the 10th pick. Eh, maybe. And then you have also the old two for one, Matt, Mavs, 12 and 13 for number five. Oh, wait. Oh, never mind. Jeez. I'm reading that wrong. Dang it. It said CBS title makes me so mad. They go five potential trades that make sense, including the Kawhi Leonard deal. And I read that wrong. So that's the one Kawhi Leonard. Oh, so it's just one Kawhi one. I thought it was five Kawhi trades. Dang it. That's, I apologize, (laughs) folks, for wasting your two minutes there. But here's, I don't think he'll trade it on draft night because what are you going to trade him for? Like, you're going to need players involved unless you're going to do, like, for example, let's go back to that first pick. Would you want – I'm not going to pretend to know what the Sixers need or don't need. I've heard you're LeBron maybe going there. You hear Kawhi, Paul George, Chris Paul to the Lakers, weird, weird stuff like that. But if you look at it, like if Sixers really want to make a move, that could work. But what I, we still don't know what's up with Kawhi. Like we've heard maybe he's not happy, but we don't know what he's doing, right? Like why he's wanting all these – it could be just a medical staff wanting all these extra opinions or they're forcing him to play. I don't know. A lot of people have been saying L.A. as a potential destination. True. It, as for draft night trades, it's, it's just hard because, like, I, I'm trying to remember, when's the last time a big name has been traded? Like, this is a finals MVP, all-defensive mm-hmm. player in the league. This would be, like, honestly, like, I don't – signing trades are – I don't really consider those real trades. It's just like a free agent deal, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This would be, like, one of the biggest trades in a while in the NBA. That's a straight-up trade. Not – Sign in trade because can you recall any big time trades that was happened like this? That's not a sign in trade, like unless you count like mid season stuff. Yeah, I think it usually happens mid season. I know that players and big name players get traded within the draft, like rookies that are being selected, and they get they get traded to other teams. I know that happened to Vince Carter when yeah. he was drafted, but in terms of established all NBA type guys like Kawhi, I, that I don't think that ever happens if not rarely so especially on draft day now and i would also i would always take an established player like Kawhi or even players a few tiers below him before i would trade a top five top ten pick because you just never really know that's the thing too it's like if you're gonna make it if you're gonna like if i'm a team like here's the thing nba draft like now i know we're going off topic from mountain west a bit but you're exactly right like phoenix trade like seriously if I were Phoenix, why not offer the number one pick for Kawhi Leonard? I would. If I were Phoenix, I would do that too. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, you may get Dal- um, Aiden from Aiden from uh, Arizona, make the guy from Europe, and they do have that pick later on. Was it 16 where they could pick whomever? Like, why would you not do that to get a guy who you know will come in right away and be starter on your team, best player on your team? You have another pick at 16 to build around him. Whether you do take Hutchison, like there's one projection out there, or take anybody else. You're right. Why take a risk on like an NBA? If you're the, like I'm here in Utah, they took Dante Exum, what number three three overall, I believe, a couple years ago. What's he doing? He's just an Yikes. okay player, not amazing. He's fine, a good NBA player, but he's not a superstar. If you mm-hmm. can get a suit, like Kawhi Leonard is a top five player in this league. I would trade I number one pick to get him on your team. You would you would definitely have to trade maybe more swap than picks, that, but too. I'm but I'm with you on that. Yeah, like, take a guy who's gonna be. A, sh- a sure thing. All these guys are nobody else is a sure thing. NBA draft is never a sure thing. And so that's a trade. Like, 
Like, if you're looking at who's up there, Phoenix, okay, Kings. Kings is a bad situation for the most part, but, like, the top three picks, like, center, power forward, power forward. Why, I mean, why not go over there? Number five, Mavericks, power forward. Like, five of the top six picks are projected to be, like, a power forward. Give up swap picks and trade your, you know I mean, swap picks and get Kawhi Leonard. Why not? Yeah, and on this conversation, just one more thing. We mentioned our little gripes about the NBA earlier. But I think that's also something that's worth noting is that, at least in my opinion, I think NBA front offices weigh potential and upside yeah. far more heavy than they should um, because you have established seniors or juniors that have done great things at the college level for a handful of years, and they're either not even selected or selected a handful of picks below some of these freshmen that haven't accomplished much. And I think last year... Check Dialo from from Kansas. He averaged two or three points per game, and he was selected before guys that made multiple Final Fours. It, it, it's so it's it's a little bit baffling, but I, part, I get it to a certain extent. Yeah. But yeah, it's 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 interesting. Part of it is on that a little bit is that how they come out of high school, they've still been picked high. It's for some reason NBA. It's weird because NFL, not to mix the two sports, are obviously quite different. You have to wait three years. But NBA, if you can get a guy who's 18 compared to 22, that's four more years to build him up and go. Maybe it'll be great down the road. But if you're picking that top five, you want a guy who can help you out sooner than later. Like, even if you're a top five pick, you may not start. You may come off the bench, but you want to be productive. And, like, go back even to Darko with the Pistons. He had one good tournament in that EuroLeague, and he is number two overall before Carmelo or whatever it was. Or Le- Wasn't that the year? Was that LeBron, Darko, that and was Carmelo. The, that was the year for the draft, yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> and it, Darko went top three. It's weird. It's like I get it. Like there's potential. Like if you're, but here's the thing: if you're a superstar, superstar high school guy, you have to play the one year, which could change by I think 2021. But if you're that type of guy and you can't go in your college team and dominate, or at least be 12 points a game on the best team, top five team in the country, why why are you going to go to the NBA? What it's going to take another three years? Like I get the age thing that you get a couple years to get them going, but. It's kind of a wasteful pick for a while, but I don't know. I just why you're right. Sure thing. If you could trade like, geez, the Bulls trade number seven for him. Like they're looking at freaking Michael Porter Jr. who might who's still injured. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. come on. What's mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't get it. like for quiet. First of all, go back to the quiet thing because the Aztec connect, connection for us. I don't think he'll be traded on draft day. Um, also, we also got Paul George, former Fresno, I guess whack Fresno guy. But I think he's going to be traded because he has one year left on his deal. I just it'll take a lot to trade because NBA trades are very odd, and I could go to the trade machine, but I'm not going to do that right now because I just thought of it. <laughs> but I I don't think he'll be traded draft. If he is, it'll be like I th- I could see um, Lonzo Ball part of the trade because that's been brought up as well to the Lakers. Mm-hmm. But I, I I'm going to say no on draft night trade. That's my long yeah. Answer to I'll that. say no as well. <laughs> but at some point, I think it probably does happen. We'll see. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll chat more NBA with our Mount West guys down the road next year. Just to have some fun. <laughs> is there any other draft stuff we need to discuss? Any other basketball news that's uh, on your mind that we should save or talk about? Um, I don't think right now. It's kind of a quiet point now that all the coaching staffs have settled for the most part and transfer stuff is winding down and obviously draft stuff as well. So um, no news is maybe good news. We'll I don't see. know. Here's what we're going to do. <laughs> that's right. Remember, check out the draft. It's uh, 5 p.m. Mountain Time, 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific. We will have some previews, which we already have up. Check those out. We'll do some post-draft stuff, maybe some undrafted free agent guys who might get picked up like the G League or go to Europe. We'll, probably, we'll keep tabs on those because we know people want to know where their former college uh, – fr- 
well, no, I could say friends. Maybe you are the friend of Lindsay Drew or, or whoever, you know what I mean? Or, or somebody <laughs> that could pick that. Or, yeah, I mean, you just want to follow these guys. That, that's what you want to do. Like, they go to Europe, they go to Japan, they go to um, Israel to play fairly high level basketball overseas. They go to Lithuania, which is not a good idea. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't, don't do that. Uh, don't, don't also, PSA, don't join the JBA if you're eligible. Sorry. Unless they want me because they pay good money, but I'm not good enough to play. Probably. Well, maybe I am. Who knows? <laughs> so we will have stuff like that coming up. We, um, we're going to have another show in July in basketball because there's some interesting rules that are coming out. There's some scheduling stuff that if you've seen what the Pac-12, the Conference USA, a couple of leagues are trying to tweak their schedule in West Coast Conference. We're going to chat about that next month, maybe have some fun ideas. So if you have a unique scheduling for conference play idea, let us know. Um, just hit us up on Twitter, MWC Wire. Uh, also, there's uh, the basketball tournaments going on. Um, we'll see if there are any Mountain West guys who do something there. But there's also a very interesting end-of-game scenario we want to bring forward to talk about because hypothetical stuff is fun, right? Hypothetical stuff is always fun. All right. Do you have any p- other pieces you want to pimp out right now that you've written re- recently that people should be aware of? Um, we uh, obviously, like you said, we'll do some more draft stuff this week. I have my profile out on Hutchison, and he will have his out on McCoy shortly. And we'll probably get into a little bit more column stuff as the news begins to die down. So be on the lookout for maybe I could Nevada article here and there, maybe some some more rankings of top players heading the next season. But there will always be something for for people to read. Obviously, we'll have that wrapped up momentarily, or wrap, not wrapped up momentarily, but um, we'll wrap it up on the website. So check it out there. We're on Blog Talk Radio, Stitcher, iTunes, uh, Tune In. Yes, we are there. I think we're on Last FM as well. I don't know. Check. Let us know if we're on Last mm-hmm. FM. I have no clue. Maybe we are. <laughs> That'd be good to know. Um, obviously, iTunes, Apple Podcast, anywhere you can buy podcasts, we are there for free for you. So yeah, subscribe. Let us know. Tell a friend. Tell your Boise fans, your Rebel fans. Hey, Aztec fans, Spurs fans, if you get hold of us. Or, let's do this. Can we get people to tweet at Hutchison to wear an orange suit? Should we do that? Oh, get that started. Man, I, I sure hope he does. Let's 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 throw it out there to him and say, hey, orange suit is the best idea. So, that's it we have for today. And, um, yeah, check us next time. And we'll be back uh, post-draft to uh, see where everybody landed.